there is an open space in uranium, in hydrogen, in renewables that needs to get filled. And once that open space is filled, while it might take a little bit while to accumulate the money, right, that's gonna be made in that field, once it is made, it is so much money. And once you become a big player in that field, I mean, yeah, it's game over. We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by E-Renewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode 117 of the program happening right now. It's a special show today. It is the finale of our eight-part series with the University of Houston's Energy, as well as the Energy Coalition at the University of Houston, the largest student-run organization on the campus. And I got to say, first and foremost, thank you to Dr. Ramanan Krishnamurti, Lauren Steffi, as well as our CEO and co-founder, Mr. Mike Niemer, for help making this thing possible. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down with these eight students students and listen to their stories, their lives, and what they have planned for the energy transition. It was truly inspiring, and I can't thank all of these folks enough for making this happen. That being said, we end today with a proverbial bang. Uh, if you're not excited after listening to this, and of course, listen, if you're not excited after these last seven, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, if you're, I'll put it to you this way. If you're not motivated and ready to go out and I don't know, run a marathon after today. I don't know what to tell you. Mr. Pranjal Sheth, 18-year-old from the city of Houston, born in India, raised here in H-Town, and he's got an incredible story. He's got incredible energy, and I promise you this young man will get you motivated. All right, but before we hear from Mr. Pranjal Sheth, let's hear from our CEO and co-founder, Mr. Mike Niemer, telling you what it is we do here at E-Renewable. At E-Renewable, we know going green is important to your business and your ESG rating. Besides offering PPAs and VPPAs, through our network of clean energy professionals, we can also offer renewable natural gas, or let us help you lower your carbon footprint with responsibly sourced gas from a leading global energy provider. Maybe you need green energy credits, whether it's unbundled RECs or RSG certificates. Your path to net zero and decarbonization is one step closer with the renewable. For more assistance, please call us at 1-866-E-RENEW-1. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Mike Niemer. Don't forget to go to our website, erenewable.com, and then give us a follow on our LinkedIn page, erenewable and the Green Insider Podcast, so you too can become a Follower Friday on our Follower Friday podcast series, where we highlight a member leading the energy transition. All right, let's get right down to it. 18-year-old Pranjal Sheth, he's talking hydrogen fuel cells, he's talking nuclear, he's talking what he wants to do when he graduates, and why he is so passionate about energy and what inspires him. Please welcome Mr. Pranjal Sheth. My name is Pranjal Sheth. I was born in India. I was raised in New York and then I moved to Houston. I go to University of Houston. I'm currently a sophomore and I'm a finance pre-med. I'm looking to move into the energy sector and so I learned about energy transition. Then I just started deep diving into it, right? And so I learned topics like hydrogen fuel cells, uranium, where energy is going, not just in the short term, but in the long term too. We're gonna get into all that here in just a bit, but uh, I'm just guessing, and I'm, I'm gonna say Afria might agree with me on this. You seem like you probably had a, a wide swath of schools that you could have gone to. I'm just going off of, A, you're the youngest participant in this competition. B, you're probably the sharpest dressed uh, participant <laughs> thus far too. Why U of H? 
I think it's a sense of pride when you can pay for your own things, right? So like, let's say you cook a meal and then you eat it. That meal is going to taste a hundred times better than if someone else cooked you it. You obviously haven't eaten my cooking then. <laughs> <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. And so I pay for my own schooling, right? Okay. So all my schooling's off of scholarships, my part-time jobs, any money I make pays for my school. And then along for paying for my school, I pay for my car, I pay for pretty much everything I do. And so it's just like, I wanted a sense of independence and UH was the most affordable education at like the best price, obviously. You said you were going into pre-med, right? Yeah. And and so obviously there's been a, a shift along the way. Tell us about that shift. Got it. So I want to go into MD, right? So when you go on the pre-med track, you get an MD in four years. And after four years, you do residency and then you become a doctor, right? I always knew I didn't want to become a doctor. I always knew I want to go into the finance sector, but I had so much experience behind me that was pre-med because obviously I had the parents push towards pre-med, right? So I had like three years of research experience at Methodist. I had two years at a hospital all this experience that I thought I was going to waste, right? And a lot of people can't do pre-med. And I thought I had the resources as well as like the knowledge to do pre-med. And so I was like, let, let me get my MD, right? And then I'll move into finance in the healthcare sector. As I learned more about the healthcare sector in finance, I realized if I want to do finance, I want to do something finance that's, that I like. And something finance I like is energy. So how'd you get, so what was it about energy that, again, You've been doing this medical thing for a while. Yeah. What was the carrot? What what kind of came about in the energy side? And you're listening. You've been in H Town for the last what decade or so. Yeah. So obviously you're no stranger to it, right? Yeah. But what finally made you make that that turn? Uh, so I have a sales associate job at Club Pilates. It's like a luxury Pilates studio, right? Okay. Basically, all you see is like very rich people come in all the time right Fair and, enough. <laughs> and so this lady came in and she's talking to me for about two hours she came in she did her class and then she talks to me about two hours her son went to university of houston he moved out and now he's in oregon or idaho or somewhere but basically he created a factory uh it's it it's a power plant right he used the power plant that the government had he leased it out and now he's he holds like a bunch of bitcoin miners that these russian and ukrainian or a bunch of people from out of the states have come in right and they bought out that area and he's doing it all through hydrogen fuel cells right so she told me about it and she was like research into it right so i researched into it i researched into hydrogen fuel cells and as as you research in hydrogen fuel cells that's like where energy is going to go in the long term, right? Hydrogen, uranium, nuclear power, everything like that, right? Everyone's scared about it in the short term. Real quick, you said nuclear, and, and I want you to continue on that, but why do you think nuclear? I think nuclear because, okay, everything in the world is about limited space, limited time, right? Nuclear creates in the smallest amount of space and in the shortest time the most energy, and that's the solution. But are you worried, though, is it, is it going to be cost effective? Because I just heard a gentleman, an energy expert yesterday, talk about, even though with, and, and we just, you're now the third person that's mentioned nuclear, Neil and Lotana both talked about it. But, you know, whether, even if it's a modular nuclear, uh, yeah, uh, S you know, but is it, to your point, though, is it still cost effective? We know what its capabilities are, yeah. but do you think the money and the fear of nuclear, right? That's the thing. So in the short term, nuclear is not going to be there, right? There's too much fear. There's too much money investment. If you look at small module reactors, which is SMRs that the Europe is setting up already, right? Those are cost effective. They're, they take less time to make. And so people are actually investing in those. Second hand to that is companies are not mining out uranium because uranium, the commodity itself is not being mined out because nobody's buying it, right? So there's no liquidity in the market if you actually do mine the uh, thing. Like in the total year, there's about 200,000 tons of uranium that's being mined. Right out of the 200,000 tons, there was a company that was doing the small modular reactors and they bought out 50,000 tons. And so 
if there's only 200,000 tons, they're buying out 50,000 tons, obviously it's going to be expensive, yeah. right? But once we move to nuclear, more uranium is being made and there's easy deposition of it, then, I mean, it's, it's just supply and demand. Okay, so you're convinced that it's going gonna, it, it's gonna to work in the long term. It's just right now, A, you need some more investment in it, and B, getting people's minds and brains wrapped around there's it. There's just a lot of infrastructure and a lot of fear. I mean, a lot of lack of infrastructure and a lot of fear behind it. Once we get the infrastructure, once we get the fear out of there, which has to happen at some point because renewables can only last so long and so much energy can be made out of them. But once that's gone, we'll move there. But to your point, and sorry to interrupt, but you, you got me all fired up, too, and I, I think you probably have this effect on a lot of people. But you were talking about the hydrogen fuel cells. You got the kid, and, and you know, the, the, the rich lady's son is over in Idaho or Oregon or, you know, some state on the West Coast. <laughs> He's got Ukrainian bit miners over there for crying out loud. And so that's what got you, you know, that's what got your heart palpitating and saying, well, maybe this, uh, maybe this, this medical thing ain't, ain't what it needs to be. Yeah, so, okay. I invested in the stock market, right? When COVID hit, I started investing, right? And since then I've been an investor and active investor, right? COVID hit that entire summer, nine to three, I was on the stock market. And there's companies that created like EV cars that I was involved with, right? EV car company, it, not Revion, it was some other company, but basically I invested in, not, not Lucid, okay. yeah. Uh, some other company that I invested in, right? I made a shit ton of money on it and then I was out. And so this son and so she was telling me the story and she was like, basically, that company approached my son and they told him to make hydrogen fuel cells because they couldn't do it right and this company the whole idea behind them is they can make hydrogen fuel cell cars the company couldn't do it the ceo is being sued currently and the company approached her son who could do it her son didn't end up finishing his degree here as a junior he left he started that factory and now he's a multi-millionaire working with people who are overseas and working with other companies who are approaching him the u.s department of energy approached him everything like like it's just astounding to see someone at such a young age her son's 21. at 21 he's a multi-millionaire working with the department of energy outsider it's just insane yeah. and so i researched into it as i researched into it i got interested and that that's what like like anytime I have a lot of mentors, right? Anytime a mentor comes to me and they say some inspirational stuff, right? That's when I got interested. I like, if you look at my Instagram, everything you'll see is inspirational stuff coming up because yeah. that thing drives me. As I see that, I want to do more. And as I want to do more, I do end up doing more. So what are you doing right now? Last week I was at UT for a research conference. I have to go to Washington for a research conference. This is a thing I'm doing. I'm doing internships for oil and gas a lot of energy stuff going behind it what else i'm still a pre-med transitioning into finance right so i'm trying to get my series seven so i can actually do that uh i'm trying to get my cmt which is certified market technician license i mean there's there's so many ideas on my how mind the hell did you end up, i guess i guess the one takeaway for me is how the hell did you end up in a pilates studio <laughs> <laughs> so i was ending junior year going into senior year senior years when COVID hit for us right so COVID hit and i was this like is, just for the folks at home this is high school correct this is high school and COVID how hit. how old are you by the way i'm 18. i just became 18 a couple months ago you're 18 years old yeah so what year did you graduate so how old were you when you graduated high school i graduated high school last year the reason i'm a sophomore is because i have pretty much 60 credits so you can count me as a junior too um but yeah so man, you graduated high school in what 2021 yep I'm sorry, continue. <laughs>
Pilates studio. Got it. Pilates. So basically I was looking for jobs, right? And so at the time it was COVID. So everyone was cautious. And I mean, I was a senior in high school, right? So in one year, theoretically, I would be out of the city, right? And so I started applying to every job on Indeed, on uh, LinkedIn, anywhere that you can find a job, right? Eventually I became a CVS store associate. I was a store associate for a while. I was making $11 an hour. And then there was a thing that came up. It's called a care pass. If you walk in CVS, they'll market to you, right? You get a care pass. Uh, you pay like you pay five dollars a month, you get ten dollars in store credit, right? But if you get it, the person that's selling it to you gets three bucks, right? So I became the top seller, and I actually got the award at the end of the year, even though I was only working there for six months for a top seller, right? And I doubled the second guy's numbers because I sold every customer I got, I would sell them in CarePath. So my average hourly pay ended up being sixteen hour instead of eleven. What was your sales pitch? My sales, I would oh, it was the five to ten, and then I'll help you cancel it. I would literally walk out the store with them, help them cancel it on their phone, and they're good to go. They just got a free $10 off the purchase that they just made. That was it. That was it. I, I helped cancel people right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did that for a while, and I realized I was really good at sales. And so I started applying sales jobs. I applied everywhere I could. And then there was this Pilates studio that basically, I mean, it was starting up, but it was COVID, so it wasn't working. The manager wasn't working. Uh, there was no employees, and I got hired there. Since that point, there's been three managers I've transitioned to, but I've been the longest employee employee there. So what do you do for them? I'm, I'm a sales associate. Sell, sell me on Pilates. Sell you on Pilates. So it's basically a fitness routine that you're going to get into, right? It's super toning. That's what everyone wants, right? You think you want uh, like weight loss, but that's not what you want. You want your weight to turn into muscle. Absolutely. You already have the weight. You don't want to cut down in the bulk again. You go into Pilates, I guarantee you're going to tone, right? And the prices that you're going to pay is... Like it's what you're gonna pay at lifetime, but it's what you pay for the luxury. It's what you pay for the actual fitness. So for a guy that's 40 years old, uh, well, 41, I've been working out for the last 25 years of my life. I'm in fairly decent shape. I only pay 30 bucks a month for my gym membership. Yeah. Why should I pay for Pilates? I'm a weightlifter. I go. I used to go to 24 Fitness, and I would pay for Pilates. Right? Okay. I I've never done it. I mean, the studio. Firstly, um, there's not that many guys that come in. Right? So it's harder to market to guys. I think but you've already sold me. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, done. I think you just sold me. I think you might have a new sales pitch. There you go. You've got a, an astounding background already, and for God's sake, you're only 18 years old. What does the energy transition then mean to you? Energy transition to me is like right now we're super oil and gas, right? If you talk to any oil and gas company on the market, they're going to say that they're moving 70 to 30, 30 into renewables, 70% still oil and gas, right? They're doing carbon recapture, they're doing reforestation, all kinds of things to be carbon neutral. There's the initiative like net zero by 2050 that came out like in France or whatever it came out. Firstly, I think we're going to move to LNGs, right? There's a whole infrastructure that needs to be made in LGs because LGs can't be transferred in the pipelines that we have currently. For that pipeline to be created, we need steel, right? Because all those pipelines are through steel. Steel market's going to boom. It's already relatively booming. LNGs are going to be the next big thing. And then from there, we're going to eventually move. It's going to be LNGs, oil and gas for a really long while. It's going to move into renewables for a really long while. I say 50, maybe 100 years we're going to be running off that. And then after 100 years, people are going to move into small modular reactors. And from there, we're going to move to big modular reactors and nuclear power plants. That's how you see it. Yeah. Why do you feel so confident about that? Firstly, everyone's talking about LNGs. Companies are actually moving to LNG. So that's a realistic thing that's already happening. Companies are already moving to renewables. That's a realistic thing happening. If you look at oil and gas companies, uh, Goldman Sachs CEO just came out with a report where he basically said that oil and gas is going to be 200 by the end of the year, right? Per barrel. Right now you're paying, I mean, people are astounded by oil and gas prices. People are driving unless they're using the metro, they're using bikes because they don't want to pay the gas prices right now. Gas prices are going to be double what they are currently. Currently it's like 106 per barrel, right? If they're double what they are, people are going to use less ga uh, gas, right? Less oil and gas. And 
when these other technologies come out, the whole problem with renewables is they're more expensive than oil and gas. But now oil and gas is going to match these renewables. Right. And so you can actually move into renewables. You can actually move into LNGs. You can create the infrastructure behind it, because if you do, if you create the infrastructure behind LNGs, it's in big initial investment. But after the big initial investment, LNGs are going to be cheaper than what oil and gas is going to be by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But are you do you believe that in order for us to make this energy transition, in order for this thing to work, aren't we going to need both fossil fuels and renewables for this thing to, you know, take flight the way we want it to and to keep prices somewhat realistic and reasonable for the average person of course i mean like i said fossil fuels are going to be around for a long time there's no getting rid of them right oil and gas companies are made on old money and old old money doesn't like to move right and that's that's a huge problem in the industry as well that's why there's so many regulations going in place like oil and gas companies currently if you look they're consolidating right so many merchants and acquisitions on the market that are happening and it's because oil and gas companies are buying up the smaller players so there's only going to be these big players, right? And big players are like BP, super majors, everything like that, right? OPEC, and they're old money. Old money does not like to move. The only way to move old money is regulations that make them do carbon zero. Regulations right. that make them do negative carbon. How do you feel about carbon capture? I think carbon capture is a smart idea. I think that it's a new technology. There, There's so much to go behind it. I mean, I had a friend and we were in a lab together and he was talking about research. I was telling him about how I'm going to UT and he was like, yo, I want to do this thing on carbon capture. He's an engineer and he was like, there's this behind it. It's just a new tech, yeah. right? And just like any other new tech, there's so many improvements that can be made behind it. But I think it's a good idea. Give us a breakdown of your routine when it comes to how you consume all this information like what is your what is your routine consist of i love information right so there's two people in the world there's people who do work consider it work and then they go home and they watch netflix and then there's people who do work don't really think of it as work i mean i think of it as something i do that improves me and then they go home and do something that improves them more or work on stuff that they so like i want to i don't want to work for the rest of my life right and i, I want to be out at 21, ideally, right? Never work after 21. But to do things like that, you have to put in a lot of work beforehand. And to do a lot of work, you have to consume a lot of information because information is gold at the end of the day, right? More information you know, the more you can do. How do you process all that information? How do you pick and choose what you want to consume? I get an idea and then I research into it as far as I can research until I think I'm an expert and then I leave. Hydrogen fuel cells. I wrote a 10 page paper and I had to write notes before this podcast to make sure I knew what the 10 page paper was. Mm -hmm. But I know what they are fundamentally. Yeah. Just like that, steel. I researched into the steel commodity market. I researched as far as I could, understood steel, then left. Uranium, researched, understood, left. It's not, well, I wouldn't say it's leaving. I say it's understanding at a fundamental basis and then you don't need to research as more, mm -hmm. right? Then you can just follow it by just reading headlines. You'll read the headline, you'll be like, okay, yeah, I get it. You're a sophomore, you've got a gazillion ideas, which I, I mean, I, I think is in, incredible. What do you want to do next? That, that's the real question. Um, I'm not sure. I, I want to go into finance. I'm dropping pre-med. I want to go into energy. Most likely I'll go on a sales and trading desk. What I do is I create ideas. That uranium idea is an idea that's going to go into play in the market, right? You can make so much money, right? So I want to go into sales and trading. After sales and trading, I want to go into consulting. Consulting is a different way of thinking. I want to create my own company. Like, I love doing research. I love creating things, right? Creating my own company would allow me to actually not only rule how I work, 
rule how much money I make, but I, like my ideas could come to fruition, not just in terms of like equity, money, everything like that. They could come like to fruition as in actual products on the market. I mean, what are your par I mean, what are the conversations around the kitchen table like? I just tell them what's going on. I mean, that in itself takes enough time that that that's about the whole kitchen table time we have. Okay, and are they, and are they a good audience? I'd imagine. Yeah. Do they, I, mean, I mean, do they hit you with a lot of questions and feedback and give, given their backgrounds? So they're interested in the energy, where it's going and that. My dad's more interested in the stock market, right? So when we talk, we go on and on. I mean, it's dudes. That's yeah. that's what dudes talk about, yeah. right? Uh, my mom's like, ah, whenever we talk about it. But yeah, that's where it is. And then me and my mom, I'm also, I mean, I love cooking. So that's what we talk about occasionally on dinner table. Are you an only child? No, I have a brother. Okay, what's he What's he up to? Uh, my brother's 10, so he's in like... Oh. He's yeah, young. I he's mean, young. he's young. He's young. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll start winding this thing down. How are you going to affect the energy transition? I don't know how I'm going to positively affect it in the short term, right? I want to be a big player in the long term. In the short term, I mean, I just want to improve myself, see where my career takes me. Sales and trading, consulting, that's going to be the next 10 years of my life, realistically. There's no retiring by 21. I mean, that's just like the ideal. Yeah, but. I, look, I, I, like I said, I love your ambition. I'll tell you what, I'm ready to go. Flip a table over after I get done talking to you. <laughs> but yeah, sales and trading consulting is going to be the rest of my life for at least 10, 15 years after I choose to start my own company. When I do choose to start my own company, I will be moving heavy into the energy market, right? Energy is where so much money is made. I mean, the old money got rich by creating ideas and just playing off the ideas. And if nobody wants to make the transition, nobody wants to do the initial investment, there is an open space in uranium, in hydrogen, in renewables that needs to get filled. And once that open space is filled, while it might take a little bit while to accumulate the money, right, that's going to be made in that field, once it is made, it is so much money. And once you become a big player in that field, I mean, yeah, it's game over. I'm just speechless because... <laughs> When he said he he's 18, I was like, I used to still play some kind of computer games when I was 18. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, you know, I can sleep in peace knowing that there are go-getters like him out there. Um, that's crazy. So how, like, I'm kind of curious to know how you're, like, your friends, like, what is what is your conversation with your friends? Are you encouraging them to get involved and be as ambitious as you are? I love helping my friends. That's one of the biggest things. I think just in the last month, I I helped eight people get jobs, right? And not, not jobs like $12 paying, like $30 paying jobs, internships. I love placing people. I think helping people is where you get places, right? You help someone, they help you, you're forever friends. That's that's how the world works, right? I encourage my friends to do everything I'm doing. The research thing I did at UT, I actually made my friend tag along, he was co-author of that. The carbon capture thing is something else, person I know at lab is doing, and then now I'm gonna help him with that. There's another friend that's doing research. I mean, she's doing it, she just wanted help in resources, getting like to know people, and I know people, and so I'm helping her with that, and I'm gonna co-author on that. And just like that, I mean, I love helping my friends. We hang out and we have fun, and we're goofy, and I mean, we're college students, that's what we're gonna do, right? I like helping us move forward, I like helping us start our real lives and become real people and not just college students yeah you said you cook and you work out is, is that kind of and, and hanging out with your friends is that kind of the extent of your social when you're not <laughs> you know consuming copious and mass amounts of information <laughs> i mean yeah i work out about an hour and a half maybe two hours every day 
Are you uh, listening to podcasts or what are you are you educating yourself while oh, you're working out? I love podcasts, but not while I'm working out. I mean that's really hard. Okay. While I drive, so I drive about I'd say an hour, an hour and a half every day. I listen to six podcasts and then I work out for an hour or an hour and a half, two hours, right? So an hour car or normal strength training and then an hour cardio if I can. Other than that, um, it's usually just stuff back-to-back, interviews, work, learning something, this, that, and then I hang out with my friends on the weekends, right? So, What podcasts do you listen to? Like Daily News is one, Wall Street Journal is one, Snacks Daily is one. I love Snacks Daily. Snacks Daily is not too much information, but it's a little fun that you can hear in the morning, early in the morning. Okay. All right. Any any hidden gem out there that, uh, you know, because look, I'm a podcast guy, obviously. Planet Money. Planet Money. I love Planet. Planet Money goes in depth about things. I mean, these are people like going like uh, they're talking about COVID and how COVID tests are very rare. Right. And they sent out eight of their analysts to go find COVID tests in different parts of the country and even outside the country. I mean, this is they go really in depth. I love Planet Money. I love Snacks Daily. I love Wall Street Journal. And those are the three podcasts that I listen to every morning, guaranteed. He didn't say the Green Insider, so I will not take offense to that, but maybe I will just a little bit. Um, is this your podcast debut, by the way? What do you mean? As in the first time you've ever been on a podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, I've been on news before, but it's for other achievements I've had. Like, I was a avid chess player. I was a professional swimmer. Uh, I played tennis league for a while. Um, I feel like I'm in an episode of, like, Catch Me If You Can right now. <laughs> like, it's like, who are you right now? I mean, I'm 41 years old. I'm sitting here going, good. God, let me think about my. I'm, I may go home and cry in the corner after I get done doing this interview. Either that, or I'm going to tell my daughter, "What are you doing with your life? Where have I gone wrong?" Um, what? And I think I kind of already know the answer to this. But I'm going to ask it anyway because I've asked everybody. What made you decide to want to enter this competition? I wanted to say my ideas. I also want to be around people that are like-minded. All right, I enter a lot of competitions. I do a lot of submissions, right? I think I'm giving a TED Talk in a couple of months. It's being arranged, but that'll be my second debut talking about energy. There, I'm going to talk about hydrogen fuel cells. In the Energy Institute, I love the Energy Institute and as well as uh, the Energy Coalition that UH has, but I think it's based on... There's not of like social gatherings. There's the UH or the energy banquet that I'm going to go to as well, right? But those happen every maybe semester that they happen. This is a way I can get involved in the energy like coalition. Yeah, yeah, energy conversation. Fair enough. Last thing, last thing, because I, I think you're the first one where I've actually been tired after getting done because, I mean, my head is swimming uh, after this conversation. Why should you win? Why should I win? Honestly, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care that much about winning. For me, it was about coming out here, putting my ideas out, being known, and being part of the conversation, right? It's it's not really about winning for me. So I can't say why I would win. I can tell you what I've done. I can tell you what I'm going to do. And I can tell you everything behind it is initiative, but I have no interest in winning. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Pranjal Sheth. You can catch all of the U of H and Green Insider episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and on our website, eRenewable.com. Next week, you're going to get a NEMA conference wrap-up. We wrapped up the conference today. What an absolutely incredible event. Shout-out to once again to everybody that helped put this thing together, Tim, Donna, Steve, and the entire group. It was just an absolutely wonderful event, and it was great to catch up with everybody and just be in person, as we've talked about time and time again. But NEMA, boy, I'll tell you what, they do it right. Shout-out, as always, to the eRenewable team and Mike, Roger, Al. This has been the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier. <laughs>